0: Before this video properly gets going, I can see the red bar going across, so I'll be very quick. If you're new here, you may be wondering what Praki actually is. Praki is a support network for pre-service and early career teachers, creating best-in-class digital media and in-person symposium events. If you like what you see and you're wondering how to get in touch with Praki and join the Praki community, the best way is to go to praki.com. On the homepage, one of the first things you'll see is our contact form. If you chuck your email address in here, this will allow Pracky to keep in touch with you on your pedagogical journey. We can send you our new videos, our new articles, and let you know when we'll be in town for our next symposium event. I hope to see you over there, but without further ado, let's get to this week's video. What's up, Prackies? Welcome to another episode of Hashtag Ask In this episode, we have a very special guest. It's Mr. Al Barnett from Edit Advice is coming to have a chat with us. Thanks for sacrificing part of your day to come in for this episode. Yeah,
1: no worries. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So your platform's kind of getting a lot of steam, uh, I've noticed, on social media, and it's kind of just starting. Do you want to uh, give the cracking audience basically a short bio of first off, who you are and your experience in the education industry, but also what made you want to take
1: that step forward into creating online creation for supporting beginning teachers? Yeah. Um, my name is Barnett. I'm an experienced teacher. I've done majority of my teaching in far north Queensland. I lived in Brisbane and I moved up to Cairns when I was 21 and I got a job in a little school called Mariba which is now west of Cairns and so that's one year rural and then um, did a contract there. Did a uh, science, HPE and maths contract. Um, mm-hmm. I'm HPE and humanities trained but when you go into remote schools yeah. they you know you they don't have um, people trained in those disciplines so you really get a mixed timetable yeah. um, which is it was great it was tough in the first year you know mm-hmm. I was teaching year 10 physics which <laughs> I didn't you know wasn't really down my path but you know you just yeah. you learn and you adapt um, yeah and then I went down to Cairns, and I taught at Trinity Bay State High School for the next uh, five years. Yeah. So you mentioned that
0: you've had a lot of experience in rural and remote schools. You just touched on it briefly there, but what are the differences between teaching in a rural community and a metropolitan community? Because a lot of beginning teachers, um, there's a lot of rhetoric surrounding country placements mm. and that that's really the, the country schools really dying for the beginning
1: teachers there's a lot of great opportunities out there but how is it different to teaching in, in a city school um interesting enough i'm i'm having a sabbatical to work on this ed advice mm. um education platform and while i'm doing that i'm also doing supply and contract teaching um, at metropolitan schools in brisbane and mm. on the gold coast um, how they're different, the norm is different. Mm-hmm. So the Brisbane norm is very different to the Mareeva norm. Like it was, yeah. it was a cultural shock leaving Brisbane and then going up to far north Queensland. Mm-hmm. So you really have to um, just embrace it and um, mm-hmm. don't fight too much, but be um, open mm-hmm. to be learning a whole new world, really. Like a How does it change your, Pedagogy, you think? Mm. So, when you're looking at pedagogy, um, and so I worked a lot with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kids. Um, so, the best advice I had when you look at pedagogy is you start local, and then you go national, and then you go international. So, you have to make it relevant to the students you are teaching, um, and then you can bring them other. Information globally into it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So really, because I'm I'm assuming this may be a generalisation, but a lot
0: of those people who are teaching in those remote communities are from those remote communities and probably mm-hmm. haven't ventured too far out. Yeah. So right. you're, are you saying that you have to make it make sense in the local context before you touch kind of big level thinking? Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's the way you go about it. It doesn't have to be like you would. Um, Start, if you were starting brand new pedagogy, you would try and give them examples of things within the area that they can make comparisons with, yeah. and then you would make it broader and broader as they gain the skills and knowledge to be able to comprehend what you're talking about. Yeah, sure. sure. So you're sharing a lot of great advice with beginning teachers, and that's kind of
0: spilled over to a, a formal thing that you've created with Ed Advice. And can you explain what Ed Advice actually is and your journey in creating it?
1: Yeah, so what advice is, it's a education advice, survival book for the classroom type of thing. Um, and I'm working with an experienced teacher and a senior teacher, also an ex-deputy primary school. And so what we're doing at Edvice is we've selected 22 of the main topics that we feel that beginning teachers and pre-service teachers should focus on. Um, and giving first-hand experience uh, and examples of the best way you should go about solving the issue you may come up with or preparing yourself yeah. so that you're able to, to overcome any obstacle that you may find yourself in.
0: So when you were coming up with those topics and kind of trying to brainstorm what would be the most, trying to put it into the category almost in terms of what beginning teachers need to know, how was that
1: process for you? Like how did that come about? How did you decide what was important for getting teachers and what wasn't? Yeah. Um, so just looking at my own experience um, and working in low socioeconomic schools, um, just well, what did I need with behavior management um, and so that I was able to work successfully in a classroom? Or how could I better um, created relationships for the students. Uh, so the, Going back to your question, why did not we create Ed Advice? I created a Advice because going up the statistics, one in five teachers drop out within the first five years. I also have seen a lot of workplace burnout yeah. and then I've spoken to you and then you've also said there's a lot of pre-service teachers dropping out of the university. Teaching is a very stressful job. so. You should know that before coming into it. Um, In your first two years, you will be working really hard. One, to create your craft. Learning behavior management, learning the content. Um, It is a big step from university. And Edadvice wants to make it easier for pre-service teachers to transition into the classroom. And so they don't have to make it up as they're going. So we're using our experiences that work for us in low socioeconomic schools where their behavior is like, but like my school is beautiful, though sometimes it's challenging. Yeah. And so if pre-service teachers are able to read this or listen to it on an audio or e-book that we're going to move into, then they're prepared and they go, oh yes, okay, I've read about this before. And they're able to put the strategies that they can find and add advice in the practice. Yeah. So many beginning
0: teachers, when they're getting their start in the industry, will go to rural or remote schools or an industry that really needs great young teachers are low socioeconomic schools. Now I've had some experience in these schools before, and something that I understood very quickly is that there are some unique challenges and some unique problems. Um, that those students face that maybe I wasn't privy to as a teacher maybe I wasn't even privy to as a prep teacher as well. Mm -hmm. You've had experience in low socioeconomic schools and and teaching those types of students. What advice could you give to maybe a beginning teacher embarking down that road about maybe some unique challenges that they'll face or things that they need to understand about that segment of education?
1: Yeah, so it comes down to Building relationships and respect—that's that's the main thing. If you don't have the relationship, you don't have the respect. Of the student and the student may not work for you. In a private school, there—if the student isn't doing what you're asking—there's discipline. Yeah. And there's discipline in private in public schools. But for example, um, I went to Churchy, and they had a signature system where if you had three signatures in a diary, you had attention. If you had this many detentions, you had a suspension, etc. And then if you are, you know, if your misbehaviour is very bad, then you can be obsolete. Yeah. So, state schools don't have that flexibility. So, a child may have to have certain amount of suspensions before they're excluded. So, therefore, You need to be doing what you can with creating relationships and then having good behavior management skills. So, um, what are some interesting things that I have seen working into uh, low social learning schools? So, um, I just wanna say kids are kids. So, you know, it doesn't really matter where they start, but some of them will have harder beginnings than others. Okay, and so by showing that you care for them they'll help you out greatly so like I said key is building relationships a way to do that is getting involved in the school if they see you involved in the school they know that you're in it for real and an example of how you could build a relationship with a misbehaved student or a student that is hard in your class is Go and watch them at a footy game. If they yeah. play for the school rugby team, then go and watch them, and then you have something to talk with. You have something to talk that to that student about, okay? And then that's just something to start off, okay? He to say it's key. He, he knows that you care about him. You took the time to go on, to go yeah. and see him play. Yeah. yeah. So relationships I had, key.
0: I had a similar story where there was a young girl teacher embarking in a simple school and she just wasn't connecting with her class and they kind of saw her almost as a joke, but she found out, she took the effort to find out where their rugby comes. was going to be on that weekend And she actually took time out of her day to go and watch those students. Mm -hmm. And then they saw her on the sidelines, and then from there they kind of took her under her wing. And then all the big tough boys But no, you don't mess with
1: her, because she took the effort that extra step to go see that rugby game. Yeah. Yeah. It is all the effort. Effort equals joy, and that's my number one thing. Just make the effort. It's gonna be hard to start. It is gonna be hard to start. Mm -hmm. Like, you're at a new school, Possibly a culture shock, you're learning the content, you know, you're in the deep end. It is sink or swim at the beginning, Yeah. so find yourself a good mentor, be organised, make the effort, it gets easier. You mentioned sink or swim
0: and something that we're dealing a lot with with cracky and those people that are and um, you mentioned it just before that there's various statistics about the job with people in university and also teachers for the first five years of their careers. People have dubbed it the teacher drought, something we talk about quite often. Mm. Why do you think the teacher drought
1: exists in the first place? Why, why aren't young people sticking with the profession? Mm. So, um, two things. The first thing is the workload. Mm. Uh, the workload for a teacher, it's, a, it's basically, it is a 24 hour job like if you're not working you're thinking about working yeah um, it's not a job where you can leave it at, at, at work you yeah. know like if you you might not be working at home but you're thinking about it in your head and you just don't you can't turn off so um, that does get tiring um, the second reason is for the amount of effort you're putting in to your work um Maybe people think that they're able to embark in another career where they work just as hard and can make more money. Like, I'm not saying teachers don't make good money because they do, Mm. but again, maybe you could make good money somewhere else and not be as stressed. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so you're not just dealing with teaching content, Mm. you're giving four presentations a day, and then you're having to deal with the needs of 26 students, Um, and so you're on all the time. Boom, 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 you're firing. Um, yeah, teaching is very rewarding. I love it. Um, you're great at managing people. It's, you get all these light bulb moments with the kids and, you know, it is very special. No, um, it is. It yes. is. <laughs> it's a tough profession. Yeah, you know? sure. So you definitely need to know that before going into it. Like, but, um, just be prepared and then you'll just put in the effort. Find a teacher, use these resources that Praki and Ed advice and other education startups are doing, and then they, you know put your best foot forward. Yeah. What can a beginning teacher do if they are feeling a little
0: bit alone, or they're feeling that maybe they're not cut out for it, mm-hmm. and that teaching is not for them? Mm-hmm. Are there anything? Is there anything a beginning teacher can do to kind of get
1: on the front foot and, and help that transition? Um, what I would suggest is and I didn't know this before I started teaching but Education Queensland gives six um, free counselling sessions Um, you're going to come up with a lot of social and emotional um, social and emotional well student well being like issues like yeah so unfortunately that can become a burden on the teacher, because uh, you're the first line of defense. So, I would suggest that you would you go and talk to a counselor or psychologist, okay, on a regular basis, just to debrief, so that you don't take on any of that, yeah. so that it doesn't add to your stress, and so it doesn't lead to that burnout. Yeah. You need to look after your well-being. You need to, You need to be doing mindfulness, you need to incorporate that into your maybe into your teaching into your everyday life. Yeah. Um, I think that's really important. So one of your passion
0: areas is talking about things that maybe beginning teachers wouldn't see on prac or that a lot of beginning teachers may not be privy to, especially in these rural communities or sometimes just in education in general. You've had a lot of experience in these different types of schools first hand. What's something that you could maybe elaborate on? For beginning teachers, so they don't get this massive shock when they see it, because sometimes practice is a bit Disneylandish, if you know what I mean. Really, yeah. and,
1: and you word it well. Prac is a bit Disneylandish. The thing prac's interesting because it is not the same as having your own students in your own classroom. So you have your mentor teachers, and the mentor teachers look after the social. Um, social well-being of the of the students in the class. Yes. You're there at PRAC to deliver content and do behavior management. They're your, they're the main things you focus on in PRAP. But you don't look at the you don't really focus on the well being of the students. And so the things that you won't see on prac is students that might come from poverty, um, might come from domestic violence. There might be alcoholism, chroming, child's mental illness, none of that, like I didn't see that really on my track because you don't have that relationship with the student, they're not going to come to you and talk to you about that, they're going to go with the constant which is their teacher Yeah. so, um, yeah so when you go out into, so for example I worked at and. Came around to report time, and um, Reba has a large Aboriginal population. Um, and at night time, and so coming to Aboriginal, it's interesting. Like, um, if you don't, everyone in the city sort of has their own opinions, but yeah. um, I didn't really meet an Aboriginal person until I was 21. Yeah. Um, but with how Australian history has played out, there is generational trauma that's passed on. Mm. Um, and so going back to my example something that I had never seen was I stayed back late to about 10 o'clock in this rural town and um, so I drove to Boreeba every day so now it's Boreeba back and I was going to drive to my friend's house and stay there and I saw some of my students just roaming the streets at about 10 o'clock at night Um, because their family lived in poverty they had Mm. like 20 people living in a two, three person house. They had gone for a walk to get out of the house because there wasn't a place to sleep. So they gave their younger brother or sister a bed to sleep. Yeah, just stuff like that. You don't like you would not see that um, in a while off Brisbane school. No, No, you wouldn't. Uh, And um, yeah, like, there's a school in Kansas, a primary school, and 20% of the students there are homeless. Yeah, They come from poverty. So it's just, there's a lot of money and resources put into metropolitan schools, that, like that's where the main population is. Um, but I just think these issues need to be highlighted, and I'm very passionate about it. And um, so, yeah, when, when you go into schools and you have your own class and you build relationships with your students, you get to know them a little bit better you will come up against us all this. But then, you need to follow protocol, and you don't take it on, and you get the people that you need to get involved, school counselor, yeah. you pass them this information, maybe you need to get an it depends what it is, and you pass it on to the professional who's trained in the area to work with these students. Mm. Yeah. So there's a lot of issues there, and I've seen
0: similar schools, um, in low socio socioeconomic areas, face those type of challenge. It could be hard for a beginning teacher um, to face that, especially when they've come from a private school background where this lived reality isn't something they've ever faced before. Mm-hmm. So, what are the positives? What are the reasons why someone would actually do this in the first place?
1: Yeah, uh, it's very rewarding. Yeah, I can't, I cannot um, promote going out rural and remote enough sense of community within that town. Um, you build great relationships with the people you work with. Um, it can be isolating if you if your family lives in the city, but then it's very social. And it's just like an open door, you just walk in and go to cup two with your mates, or you know, go play playing sporting clubs and you see people all the time. And it's easy to build relationships with kids, because you, yeah. like, you will see them outside of school, so that can be like a pro or a con, but, you definitely become part of that community. Um, where I'm from, Kansas is very multicultural. My school is very multicultural. Largest Aboriginal and Torres school in Australia, yeah. a, lot, a lot of refugees that came in there and everyone just gets on. Yeah. yeah that's what you want. Like, yeah. You get out of your comfort zone. Yes, um, kids that come from low-set socioeconomic backgrounds, like again, they're kids. Kids kids, but they can be challenging and if you go to these schools you'll learn behaviour management to a T and mm. like you'll be a pro. It'll make you a better teacher. You'll make you a better teacher, definitely. Uh, yeah. I I do want to like it would be interesting to see if there's private school teachers in into the situation and see what they do. Yeah. Because they have those I'll put a signature in your diary and the kids hurt Yeah. But like you need to build yeah, yeah. relationships get your ESCM, the Central Skills Plush Management, down pat, and um, you'll be fine. I've, I've been doing supply teaching in Brisbane and the kids have tried me and, you know, like nothing you can do is going, mm. I won't be able to be, but yeah. it's, um, anyway. It's a different part of Australia. It's a different Australia. You just have to be open to it, and mm. if you're open to it,
0: you'll be the I can echo what you were saying there. Um, I personally was started off public but ended up private within my own when I was a student. And initially that's what I thought I was going to be in my first few pracs. Um, we varied wildly, but I had an experience in a really low socioeconomic school, and that's made me a better educator because, like you said, there's nothing a kid can say or do that would surprise me now or really shock me. When it happened for the first time, it did. It completely opened my eyes because I thought that maybe the the bottom level of Australia was here, and yet some of these kids' stories, although you know they're, they're all the way down here. And it made the little things that happened in my classroom seem not so bad. Yeah. You know, if a kid's saying that he, you know, is really violent towards me or if he comes um, abusing drugs or alcohol or his, his parents are in jail and they're really violent and they chuck a chair or something like that, mm-hmm. little Johnny not handing his homework in on time suddenly mm-hmm. is not that much of a, a big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And it, it helps you put things into perspective as yeah. well, I think. Yeah. So when we talk a lot about rural schools, a lot of these stories come up a lot of the time about you know everyone's got their little horror stories but I think sometimes it could be a bit of a generalisation. Yeah. Even at the lower schools in Brisbane that I've had experience with, there were some kids that would rival any kid that I've ever taught at, even at the highest private schools you know they're hard working yeah. um, they're fantastic. Do you think it gets a bit of a bad
1: rap sometimes? I, 100% percent um, i the hardest schools I've had to deal with is while well, I've been doing supply teaching in Brisbane because you don't have those relationships with the kids. Yeah. And if you don't have a relationship with the kids they don't respect you. Mm-hmm. And so it's always the 1% doing the wrong thing. Yeah. And like, like I say, the kids are kids, but it's the 1% that rules it for everyone. Mm-hmm. And um, so, like I said, rural and remote schools are not bad. I yeah. Go. I could not. put like put my hand up. I would do it all over again. Yeah. Um, again, it's one percent doing the wrong thing. So don't be afraid to go rural or remote
0: mm. We're talking about some of the challenges that maybe beginning teachers will face. What are your passion areas within education, or can you highlight things that you personally think need more attention or change?
1: So it is now coming in. Uh, I think mindfulness generally for both teachers and students Um, so I've I've been talking with a few schools in the Gold Coast and I know my school now Um, they have a teacher well-being committee and so there's a whole looking looking at the culture of the schools and um, and how we can better support teachers mental health I think students mental health also is very important um, but there is a big emphasis on STEM or STEAM and I know this is very important um, as for these jobs in science, technology, engineering and maths um, is where the government wanting jobs to go. Yeah. It is a growth market and there is money to be made from there. Um, though I think that maybe you can pigeonhole kids um, and not giving them a broad range of subjects can um, is not beneficial for them in the long run. It makes school not as fun. Yeah. The kids don't want to be sitting in a chair. And you know, there's different there's different types of learners auditory, visual, kinesthetic, etc. Yeah. Not everyone fits the same mold. And if you want kids to sit down and be doing maths and science, which I think maths and science is awesome, but all subjects interlink. So you. I just think that it sort of needs to go back, and instead of having one lesson massively, you know, spread the subject load around. Yeah. And I think English and math teachers also like that as well, because yeah. they have to do four days of lessons mm-hmm. out of five. Yeah. And so maybe spread the work around. It would be really interesting, like I'm interested to see what kids are going to be like and what results they get from having to do subjects that they don't necessarily enjoy. Yeah.
0: yeah. You mentioned that students need a holistic education and that maybe there's attention attention needs to be more evenly distributed but I, I know a big movement you're talking about mindfulness mm. a big movement for student education is started to talk about life lessons and how to integrate that into education properly rather than just tokenistically I know you're passionate about it yeah. what views could you offer about that
1: particular uh, topic yes yeah. so you want students to be lifelong learners, okay? And mm. so with that, we need to be going back to basics. So mm. numeracy, like basic numeracy skills, basic literacy skills. If kids don't have basic numeracy literacy skills, they can't extend their learning. Yeah. And so therefore that child, if they have, you know, a level two literacy ability, but they're in grade six or in high school, how's that kid supposed to be how can they achieve? Yeah. Also, I also think that um, we need to be looking at kids um, and food preparation, being able to cook meals themselves and also getting back into physical activity. Like yeah. Australia has one of the highest rates of obesity in the world. Yeah. Um, so, focusing on nutrition, focusing on physical activity and getting back to basics with and I think would benefit this generation mm. coming through.
0: You were talking about what lessons um, students need to learn but for our audience a large section of it are just getting into the education industry and the, into their teaching careers a lot of which are on pr- uh, their practicum yeah. there's a lot of talk about how best to approach practicum it seems like everyone's got a, a different perspective on how it should be done properly what do you think a beginning teacher should really focus on during prac to put their best foot forward yeah
1: so um when you're in prac you need to be focusing on your behavior management because when you go out into the real world of teaching no one is going to be there to help Well, they will be there if you seek it but it's you and your students in the classroom and you need to be doing behavior management and you need to be putting out the fires before you move on to the next step. So, things you need to be doing in practice. Behaviour management, you need to work on your timing, your transition between activities. Timing is very important. At university, I was told, don't take your phone into the classroom, okay? Yeah. I use my phone all the time in the classroom. I set alarms, they go off, and the kids know that all oh, the activities done and put my phone down. So, behaviour management, timing, you need to be organised, and you need to have engaging lessons. If you're organised, it will make your life that much easier. Yeah. And your stress, You know, that's if you're not organised, then you're going to have high stress levels. Yeah. I'm
0: sure. So practice audience are beginning and early career teachers that maybe are looking for that extra step of practical professional development and maybe feeling a little uh, lacking self-confidence about actually becoming a teacher. Mm-hmm. If you could spread a message out to that community, what would it be? Yeah.
1: The sheer workload um, of a beginning teacher is very large. Okay, don't let your workload build up. You need to get organised. Writing lists is a big thing that can help you. Um, but it will get easier after the first two years. You'll have your routines down pat, and you'll have your resources created. So put in the work in the first two years, and you'll reap the rewards later.
0: As we wrap up, your platform and advice is getting more and more steam every day. Now that you've piqued the audience's interest,
1: where would be the best place to find Ed Advice? Yeah, so um, we're across several social media platforms, where Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, and LinkedIn.
0: That's all we have time for, for this episode of Ask Pracky Anything. Thank you so much, Al, for sacrificing a bit of your day to come talk to us. Yeah. Just a reminder, if you want to ask a question on the next video of Ask Pracky Anything, the easiest way is to drop a comment down below or hit up Pracky on our social media platforms. But until then, we'll see you next time.